Thanks, Daniel. Hey, good morning, church. It is good to see you all here. Uh, we are uh, going to be in Acts 2, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just a reminder, we have Bibles under the seats around you, and so I just encourage you to grab one of those, and if you don't own a Bible, that's a gift. We want you to ha- take that home with you. Um, before we get into Acts 2, just a couple things. want to just echo uh, Jeremy's sentiment earlier towards Veterans, um, Veterans Day. Um, it's an important time to stop and acknowledge those who have served. Um, you know, I think that in our kind of our modern day context, when we think about military, it's, it seemed, seems to be more of like a vocation, um, and it seems to have lost that sense of like honor and, and service, but we still want to acknowledge that. Those of you who serve, like we see that as an act of service. And, uh, and I, what I love about um, stopping to acknowledge those who serve, especially those who have sacrificed and have given their lives on behalf of the many, is that we see a reflection of Jesus himself, that it, and even though we are fallible and imperfect, when human beings sacrifice themselves and serve one another, we get to see just a living portrait, a reflection of what Jesus has done for all of us. And so as we stop to honor Veterans Day, just want to draw that connection. Um, I also want to uh, just call your attention, this Wednesday is our Wednesday worship. We do this once a month. And, uh, and so it's, often, it's easy to forget that it's coming, uh, but it's this coming Wednesday night, 6.30. So kids ministry will be going on for older kids. We'll have student ministry going on and all the adults will meet in here. Um, this is a time for us to get together, not just for time of worship and learning together, but we, we go ahead and build into our time together a time for fellowship, which is what we're talking about today and we talked about last week. Um, an opportunity to connect, uh, to catch up, share things with one another, even pray for one another, encourage one another. Um, this is also this year a time for um, our, some of our other worship leaders and other preachers and teachers to have some space to use their giftings. And so um, we have five um, guys in our elder mentorship. And so um, those guys are getting to preach on Wednesday night. So this Wednesday night, you're going to get to hear from another one, one of the guys who's going through our mentorship. And, uh, and I'm excited. We're going to continue in the book of Philippians. So if you are reading ahead, that's where we are. Um, but just want to invite you to come be a part of the family this, this Wednesday night at 630 I'm um, just coming, even if you're just coming in from work or you want to bring, grab some food on the way here and eat that out in the commons area, like just come, come however you are. Um, what's really important about this time is really the fellowship time that we spend together. It's a gathering together um, of the body of Christ. So I want to just encourage you to do that with us. Um, so we are uh, in Acts 2 uh, today. We're continuing in um, this series on worship um, it's a topical series, and sometimes we do topical series. Most of the time, we're just going through a book of the Bible together, um, getting, getting ready to plan out next year's series, and we've got um, several smaller books of the Bible that I want to go through. Um, we'll be meet, meeting with the preaching team in a couple weeks to kind of finalize the plans for next year. Um, but after we finish this series, we're going to go into Advent series, which will take us to Christmas, and then we'll hit the ground running next year, um, back in a book of the Bible, kind of working verse by verse through the whole book. Um, so last week we connected this idea of our worship of God to our relationship with one another and there's this word that comes up in in the New Testament koinonia it's this Greek word it's used over 30 times to either describe um, the relationship between God's people uh, and each other or it's also used to describe the relationship between God's people and himself and so it describes our relationship with God and our relationship with others And so we just started uh, unpacking this word last week, and today we're going to look at it again. It shows up in Acts 2. And what I love about this Acts 2 account is that this is super early in the church. Like, the only thing that has happened is that God has imparted His Holy Spirit and given to those who believe. Peter 
has preached the gospel and several thousand people heard it and they responded to it in faith and they were baptized. Now we have the first church. Like they don't, they haven't even had time to talk about what is leadership structure going to look like? Do we need elders and pastors? Do we need more than one? Do we need deacons? Um, how are we going to organize this thing? Uh, they hadn't worked through what day of the week they were going to worship on. They hadn't worked through circumcision and baptism. They hadn't worked through any of that stuff. This is just like right from the beginning, ground zero, we get this description of the early church. And we find this word koinonia embedded in this um, particular description. And what I love about it is in the context of the word being used, you're going to see a description of what koinonia is. And this word is just really robust. Like it means a lot. It's a description of intimate relationships within community, but it also describes our, 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 co- our cooperative efforts together, how we co-labor together and partner together in the mission of God, and it even describes our worship. And so I'm going to read in Acts 2, starting in verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So you've got the apostles and those few early believers who had gathered around with with them in the upper room. And now we've got about another 3,000 people who've been added to the church. And verse 42 says, And they, so the apostles, those early believers, and the 3,000 who were added, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And then verse 43 describes this kind of atmosphere of worship, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. With this beautiful description of what this early church was devoted to, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, which is the way that communion was described in the early church, um, and then the prayers, but they were also devoted to the koinonia, the fellowship. And what's beautiful is that description right after we read that was that all came upon all of them. What a beautiful description of worship. So we've been defining worship in this series. And we've talked about how it's, it's not just what you feel on the inside, and it's also not just what you do with your actions. It's when all these things align. You might, you might think of it this way. It begins with right thinking about God. Right theology, like a right identity of who God is. If you're, if you're worshiping a God that's different from the God of the Bible, you may be worshiping, but you're not worshiping God, right? And so we've talked about that, the need to identify God, even in our prayers, to, to set his name apart, to not take his name right in vain, and to really identify who we are worshiping or singing to or praying to or serving. And so it's, it starts here with a right thinking of who God is, but that's not enough. It's not enough just to have write theology or have the Bible memorized if something isn't stirring in here because worship also includes a posture of your heart think of it this way it's both the posture of adoration and reverence both adoration is this affection that you have for Jesus this desire like you love him okay that's the adoration piece but there's also an aspect of reverence of acknowledging he is Lord he is king of kings and here it's described as awe came upon them it's describing their heart posture towards God so but it's not enough just to have right thinking and to have these right feelings towards God he calls us to worship him in specific ways and so it includes these obedient actions towards God 
And any of these elements in and of themselves is not enough. It's when all three of these come together. But if we are people who just go through the motion of, of running the plays that God told us to run and, and walking in obedience without hearts that are postured in worship, we'll be like the people described in Isaiah who are trying to honor God with their lips, their words, while their hearts are far from him. So he doesn't just want our words. He doesn't just want our obedient actions. He wants our hearts. And so with that understanding of worship, we see this early church gathering together and from the beginning they were devoted to these things and there was a sense of awe in the atmosphere when they got together awe overcame them they were filled with awe so I want to look at just a little bit further and into this meaning of the word koinonia and how it gets not just translated but what that what these words mean for us and so one way that um, the, the word koinonia gets translated we looked at last week is in this word fellowship which which even in English isn't a word we use a lot right so this idea if we go back to 2 Corinthians 13 14 we'll get some insight into what what this means um, Paul uh, he writes this he says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship that's the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you all and so whatever relationship I have with the Holy Spirit, it's being described as a koinonia relationship. And so that gives me some insight then on the relationship I'm supposed to have with you in a koinonia relationship. That we have a devoted, intimate relationship with one another. But there's another way this word gets translated. I think this helps us understand a little bit more about what it means to be the church. In Philippians 1.5, Paul's writing a letter. And he says this, that because of your partnership, in the gospel that's the same word koinonia your partnership in the gospel from the first day into now and so we all have a partnership in the gospel so the responsibility of the gospel is not just those who get up on stage or our elders or community group leaders but as believers at this church and part of this koinonia we have a partnership in the gospel so koinonia means partnership there's another way that this word gets translated and it's the joint participation in the giving of a gift uh, this is described in second corinthians it comes up in chapter eight and chapter nine listen to this this will help us understand like what it means to be part of the koinonia in second corinthians eight we read this for they gave according to their means as i can testify so it's now they're talking about giving and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. That relief of the saints is a description of believers who are in need. This particular situation, they were in financial need. And so they called it the relief of the saints. We've got saints who have needs, and so when we, we give to their needs, we're helping relieve that need. And so Paul is talking about a group of people who beg to be a part of that. Like, please, 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 like, we don't have a lot to give, but can we participate in giving to the relief of the saints? And that word, taking part, that's the word koinonia. So it means to take part in something. And then in the next chapter, Paul's still writing about this topic. He says this in verse 13, by their approval of this service, the giving to the relief of the saints, they will glorify God, there's worship, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Because you're in Christ, 
Because that's your confession. That leads to a submission. And the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others. And that word contribution is koinonia. You see how that word just has so much depth to it? And so here, that word is being used to describe a joint gift giving to, given together. And in a lot of ways, it's a description of worship. So when we gather together as the church, the koinonia, and we pray together, you're praying over here and praying here and praying here, and maybe somebody up here is leading on stage, and we're, we're leaning in towards one another, and we're praying together, but we're offering up that prayer together as a gift. That's not only an expression of koinonia, it's an expression of worship. We're bringing that prayer to the Father together. When we, we give financially, it's the same idea. It's a joint contribution. We're saying, hey, we're, we're in this together. We don't need to know who gave what or what amount. And it's not, that, that doesn't matter. What matters is what? That we've come together and we're like, hey, I want to I be in with you. I want to participate with you. I want what I give and what you give to be put together. And then let's offer all of that up as worship to God. And that's another expression of koinonia. It's the joint contribution of the church. And what's beautiful is that, again, without a whole lot of ministry structures in place, there's not Sunday school, there isn't Wednesday night worship, they don't have student ministry figured out, they don't have all these things figured out, but right from the beginning, they were devoted to these things. Let's listen to a description together. We'll pick this back up in verse 44 is a description of koinonia. If you want to know what this word means, here's, here's a description. All who believed were together. All who believed were together and had all things in common. I've been asked over the years at different times, hey, can I worship God without coming to church? Yes. Can I read the Bible on my own and pray to God and will he hear me if I'm not with her? Yes. But you can't be part of the koinonia unless you're together, occupying the same space at the same time. And so this description is that all the believers were together and had all things in common. That's a beautiful definition and description of what it means to be the koinonia. And then verse 45 continues describing it. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It's really hard to fully talk about koinonia without talking about financial contributions. And one of my laments about the church today is how this idea of giving and generosity has been lost and been replaced by the idea that we're making donations to an organization. We're just, we're just making donations and maybe we get a tax write-off and we get, then we get into fundraising and all these sorts of aspects. And so the, the giving of financial gifts to and into the church really becomes about numbers and dollars and raising money and buying things and, and, and we lose sight of this. The idea isn't that you give money and I give money and how much do you give and so you're a high-ranking donor and all those sorts of things. The idea is no, like we're throwing in together and we're gonna, we see here some were selling their possessions but not everybody could do that Well, because what were they doing with the money? The proceeds. They were helping those who couldn't. 
So it was both giving and receiving of this contribution that made it worship. It wasn't just that these believers in Acts 2 had a lot of money and they were good donors. No, the description is that they were selling their possessions and belongings and then distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. When you think about this aspect of the koinonia and the blessing that comes out of that, it's, it's blessed to give and it's also blessed to receive. And so in order for this to happen, people have got to be willing to show up at church and let their needs be known. We do, I'd say this in the church world, we focus a lot on trying to encourage people to be generous and give who have, but most of us are really, really horrible at receiving. Anybody else not real good at receiving help? I mean, even beyond financial help? Yeah, okay, there's an honest one. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I, I, I love this picture of koinonia, but I want to be on the giving side. Like, we feel that way, don't we? But even being on the receiving side is worship. This is how God has designed the church to operate, and we can't all have it together all the time. I think there's some reasons for why we struggle to receive. First and foremost is when we receive, we're admitting that we have need, and we're admitting that we're human. We're admitting that we're not God. God is the only being who never has needs. And so if you go through all of life hiding your needs, pretending like you don't have them, in a way, you're propping yourself up as God. So if, you're, if you only want to be on the giving side of this, you're going to miss the blessing of what it means to be a part of God's people. Right? So our, our neediness is, is there. The question is, where are you going to take your needs? We're not just talking about financial needs. You may have financial needs. We have a, a care team and a ministry where we take a portion of what's given in the offerings as worship. We take a portion of that and we help people in financial need. But like beyond that, like you may have prayer needs today. The question is, are you going to bring those needs before God's people and have somebody pray with you? I was talking to um, a couple this week who serves on our prayer team and they were saying, no, we love serving on the prayer team. We just wish more people would like let us pray for them. Like when somebody walks down front and grabs us or catches us out in the commons and asks us to pray, like it's just such an honor. And in that moment, that exchange of asking for prayer and giving of prayer, that's worship. And that's participation in the koinonia. So your needs may be financial. It may be something going on you want prayer for. You have some other struggles going on. God says, hey, as, as my people, the culture of the church will be koinonia, which means those in need will bring their needs, and those who can offer help will offer help, and it, it will all come up to me as a sweet aroma of worship. And you may be the giver today, but you will likely be the receiver tomorrow in some way. And God says, I'm the only one who gets to exist without need. So I think that's part of our struggle, is we have to admit that we're human, we do have needs, just share of a time when when Hallie and I were blessed I've shared this story before here it's been years since I've shared it but one of the most meaningful experiences of this for me was early on in our marriage I think we'd been married about three to four years um, we were living um, in a small community out west we were working in a church plant situation so um, I wasn't doing ministry vocationally but I was given a lot of my time to helping a church get started and I was trying to make some money on the side to help make ends meet 
and my wife was just finishing college trying to get a, a job and there it was July I think it was 2007 2006 the summer I remember it was July and I remember um, having to pick up the phone and make the call um, I remember I think it was my wife's encouragement she's way better at, at humility than I am like hey what if we called and asked for help we don't know how we're going to eat this week and so I remember picking up the phone and calling one of the men in the church spiritual leader trusted friends like hey I don't like having to do this but I don't know how we're going to eat this week and uh, it was a short conversation he's like oh thanks for the call I'll be back with you I'll be back with you soon like immediately it was almost like he was just waiting for the opportunity to help out and then later that evening um, him and another another guy from our church two families came together and just just showered us with food groceries and I'll never forget at the top of one of the sacks package of Oreo double stuffs. I'm mentioning that, one, so that you'll know that I like them, but, but mainly because that, that is an indication of two things. One, he knows me, and he, he knows I, this is what I like. If, he's, if he was going to get a special treat for me, like he got the one that he knew I would want, a gallon of milk and a ream of Oreos, and I'm good. It wasn't what I needed. He went beyond what was needed, to say, hey, I know you, and I know what, what would be a blessing to you, um, and so I, I appreciate that, but then the second part of that was he didn't just go scavenge the, the for sale items on the, you know, on the shelves and the almost expired canned goods, and like, you know, which would have been fine. We could have eaten those things, but he's like, no, we're, we're going to go above and beyond because we actually want to bless you, and so these two gentlemen showed up representing two families who came together um, to bless, bless Hallie and I in a time of need. And I remember how hard it was to take that step and make that phone call, but even that is an act of worship. When you're stepping and you're leaning into the coin of knee and saying, hey, I'm, I'm the guy on the needy side right now. I, I love it when I get to be on the giving side, but, but, I, but I also need to be willing to be on the needy side of things. And that's what's being described here to us. This wasn't a fundraising campaign. It was about the church throwing in together all the resources together. Like, hey, we're in this together. We're partners in the gospel. We're on the same mission. We're worshiping the same God. We're sharing. We're throwing in together. And it wasn't a one-off thing. Like two chapters later in Acts 4, they're selling properties to contribute. And so we see this beautiful expression of giving and receiving that when, when given is, giving is done generously and receiving is done gratefully, it's an act of worship. It's really important to us here at Solid Rock that we see giving this way. And we, we say this, I think, in every service. Like if you've come this morning prepared to give, however you give, some of you give digitally and others give in person and put something in the box. But either way, what we want that time to be is a time of worship. We want to throw in together. We want to ask God to bless that gift together. And I don't need to know what you gave, and you don't need to know what I gave, I just want to throw in together, God, to bless that, and use it for this mission that we're on, so like, it's an act of worship for us as a church, I remember when we were going through uh, working on the funds for this new building, and how early on, you know, we were talking to banks, and they're like, okay, we got to do fundraising, we got to do fundraising, and I was just like, oh, it feels so icky, I don't want to do fundraising, like, this is the church, this is not a nonprofit organization, right, where we're, it's like, I don't want to put a big thermometer on the wall, you know, with the goal at the top, and we just watch it going up every week, and when it doesn't go up, we're like, 
Some of you aren't giving. Like, no, I did, it just felt icky to do fundraising. And we actually found an organization that, um, that had that same conviction that came alongside us. It was like, hey, we, we, get, we feel icky about that too. And they just encouraged us, hey, why don't you just call your church to the biblical model of generosity and just see what the Lord does? And we didn't have a new building fund. We just said, hey, if God's put on your heart, just give generously to the general fund. And what we'll do is anything that's in there that we don't need for like lights and the basics, that money will be set aside for the new building. And guess what? We had enough. Like that actually was an edifying experience for us as a church, for me anyway. And it didn't feel icky. It didn't feel like we were trying to raise funds and, and get capital together to go suit, do some project. No, it was just, hey, let's, what if we just worship generously together and just see what the Lord does? I mean, the first year we did, our giving doubled. Doubled. The first year. That was huge. And that was the Lord's doing, just working in the church, right? Stirring in the believers who could. Not everybody gave. It's okay. Not everybody's giving. Some are receiving. Some of you are recipients today, right? You weren't even here when we were doing the new building stuff. You've come since then. And so you're just, you're sitting in a chair that was purchased through the giving of generosity of others. You're on the receiving end of that. When we give generously and we receive with gratitude, it is an act of worship. Verse 46, back in Acts 2, says this. So, and day by day, so now we're getting a description of not just this first moment, like a snapshot, we're getting a description of like daily life now. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see the gratitude and the generosity there? Like even in the receiving of food, there was worship. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. This beautiful description of the church before seminaries, before conferences and training and all the latest Bible studies rolled out. They're just simply, all they have is the gospel and devotion to God and devotion towards one another and worship is happening. Like day by day, Look what happens. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who are being saved. And I want that. I want that. Like I, I, I know that after this moment in church, time, the timeline, the church will go on to get bigger and they will determine they need things like leadership and they need deacons and they need to figure out a few things. Like I know there's, a, there's, there's value in what the church learns and how the church has grown over, the, over you know, centuries of time. However, I don't want to lose sight of this. You with me? Like, I, like we don't want to leave this behind and go, well, that was just the first couple of days. After that, they moved on to bigger and better things. No, this is what it means to be the church. And I would even propose this, guys. Like, when I read this, that 3,000 gave their lives to Christ in one day, and then day by day, the Lord just kept adding. Like, I want that for solid rock. And here's what I'm willing to just propose to you is I believe that if you and I will lean into this idea of koinonia, that the Lord will add to our number day by day. Here's the thing. We're not trying to become the, the latest megachurch on the west side of Fort Worth. We're just not. We've got plenty of seats available. We fill these up. Guess what? We'll go plant a church. We'll just see the Lord's work continue. 
in other places with other people. So it's not about how many people can you pack into a place and how many people can you get on your campus and how can we compare numbers with other churches. Like that's not at all our motive. But I want to see day by day the Lord adding to our numbers. And so what if we, what if we just started here with a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, and to the koinonia? What if this was the way that Solid Rock Church was described? They're, they're always filled with awe. They're always so generously giving, and they always receive so gratefully. There are people who aren't afraid to be honest about their needs, and there are also a, a people who are so generous that they're just looking for opportunities to, to meet needs. Like, what if this was the description of our church? I believe wholeheartedly the Lord would continue adding to our number day by day those who are being saved. And so when we talk about worship, again, so often we think about songs that we sing, and that is part of it, but worship is so much more than that. Like, we worship God simply by getting together as his people. By caring for one another well, we are worshiping. By giving generously to the needs of others, we are worshiping. By receiving the gifts of others, we are worshiping. So I want to land here and just propose some questions for you to think about. As we come to this understanding of what it means to be the koinonia, I just want you to think about when was the last time you had the opportunity to be generous towards another Christian or another believer? Now, this is important. There is a distinction between those who are in Christ and those who are not. Somebody asked me after the services last week, like, what's the difference? Like, we are called to honesty and kindness and to share the gospel with all, but we are also called to a very specific kind of relationship within the church, a care for one another that reflects the care we've received from God. And Jesus said, this is how the world will know you by how you love each other, how you treat each other, how you care for one another. So we're not saying, hey, don't, go be, don't be generous with somebody who doesn't belong to the church. We're just simply focusing on the relationships we have here. And so when was the last time you had an opportunity to be generous towards a fellow brother or sister in need, somebody else in the church? It might have been this morning, but for some of us, we've got to kind of go back through the Rolodex and go, man, it's been a minute. Think about how you see your giving. Do you see your giving to the church as a donation? Or do you see it as an act of worship? For those of you who are able. Again, not everybody was able all the time. But for those of us who are able, is, is our giving expression of worship or are we just donating to a cause? I don't think Jesus is looking for donors. He's looking for people who are ready to worship. Think about this. How does our generosity towards others, how does that reflect how we view God's love towards us? Just think about that. You know, whether you're giving to like the general fund of the church or you're like behind the scenes giving and meeting the needs of another, how does that reflect the goodness of God towards you? Are you doing that out of a heart of like gratitude? Like, God, you've been so good to me. I'm, I'm excited. I am longing to be, to be generous and kind to somebody else because you've been kind to me. How does your generosity towards others reflect the way you view God's love towards you? Do you struggle to ask for help? 
Do you struggle to ask for physical or emotional or spiritual help from others? Hey, we're struggling to make ends meet this week financially or something else going on. I'm really going through some hard things. Really need some comfort. We talked about that last week. Need somebody to pray with me, somebody to be with me in this hard thing. Spiritual needs. Do you struggle to ask for help? Or am I the only one? Yeah. The the thing I would remind you is this. All human beings are needy. And when you try to exist with your needs hidden, in a way you're, you're trying to play God. And he's the only being who is not in need. Right? So we are called to be honest about our needs. Do you struggle with that? When was the last time you found yourself on the receiving, receiving end of somebody's generosity? Were you able to receive with gratitude as an act of worship, or did it, did it cause you to feel inadequate and broken and less than? When, when was the last time you were able to receive somebody's generosity? And were you able to receive it with gratitude as an act of worship? Just think about this in general. How can receiving help from others be an act of worship for you even today? What needs did you bring into this space? Do you need somebody to pray with you? We've got people ready. Do you need comfort? Need a hug? Need some direction, spiritually speaking? Need some groceries? What are the needs that you brought in here today, and are you willing to be honest about those needs as an act of worship? To position yourself and say, I'm not God. I'm I'm human and I have needs, and here are my needs today. I want to pray for us now, and my prayer is going to be that God would like truly guide our path as a church. I want to be described this way. I really do. I want, I, want, I want the world out there to see the love we have for one another as a testimony of the love Jesus has for us and that we belong to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful description of the koinonia. And God, we just confess that far too often and we just want to be the, the people who give and, and, and God, to to be quiet about our own needs, to hesitate with our own needs. We don't want to bother others. We don't want to put others out. So when we read this description, it's easy to get excited, God, about being the one who's helping. But Father, this also requires being the one in need. And so Father, as your people, you've created the church to be a place where our needs can be met, which requires that our needs must first be known. And so, God, I pray over Solid Rock Church that we could grow more and more day by day into this beautiful description of the koinonia, the fellowship, where our relationship with one another is a reflection of our relationship with you, where our love for one another is an expression of the love you have for us, and our generosity towards one another is an expression of your generosity towards us. So, Father, I pray today you would give us a space to make our needs known. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.